Peter, and welcome to the Oxano Podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the Word. Thanks for listening. So Heavenly Father, we do come to you in thankfulness and gratitude for speaking a word to us. That you've spoken through the psalmist, that you've spoken finally through your son, and now you are speaking here today. God, we ask that you would speak for your servants are listening. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was in high school, and I was getting ready to give a presentation in my AP U.S. History class. I don't know if any of you have taken that course before, but I was not at all looking forward to this particular presentation. For after all, Hamilton had not come out yet, so I did not care about American history. And so I was going through, and I didn't know this or that person. I was not as prepared probably as I should have been going into this particular day. And my teacher, Miss Thomas, I'm pretty sure she knew it as well, but... It was one of those weird classes. We had block schedule. It bridged lunch front and back. And so we were getting ready to go to lunch. And I was like, at the, you know, I got my tray with my square piece of pizza and chocolate milk and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm over there trying to feverishly figure out what I'm going to say about this or that person. And then all of a sudden, I start feeling really unwell. And I simultaneously was like, oh no, and oh thank you, Lord. And so I'm making my way back from the lunchroom down the hallway. I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those things. You still walk down like certain places and you catch smells of, I guess, cleaning agents. And it like transports you back to school. Anybody else like that? And you're like, gosh, that smells like my elementary school. That smells like my high school. And like I can still remember what it was like going down that particular hallway. Except I felt like I was at the fair and I was walking down that tunnel with everything else spinning around me. And I was like, okay, this is moving from simultaneous oh yes and oh no to just oh no. And I'm going through and I finally get back to my desk and I'm holding on to it for dear life. And I'm like, Miss Thomas, I feel unwell. And, you know, we had a good relationship, me and Miss Thomas. And she thought that I was joking. She thought that I just didn't want to give my presentation. But I stand up and bolt out and just kind of doing this sidestep motion, get out into the hallway before I am clutching the lockers for dear life to be able to stand up straight. Someone comes out and checks on me, takes me to the nurse's station, and they have to put me in this back room with a garbage can on the floor flat with all of the lights off. And come to find out, I had never had it before, but I had a bout of something called vertigo. I don't know if anybody else in here has ever had vertigo. It was my own first and only experience with it, but it was, if you can imagine, like you had just gotten off of a tilt-a-whirl at the county fair, and you, or you just gotten done doing the dizzy bat race, but you hadn't done no dizzy bat race, and now you were just trying to go down and walk down the sidewalk, and you can do nothing and experience no relief from the world doing one constant clockwise rotation after the other. And so I go to the hospital and I'm over there and I could not do anything to make the world stop spinning. And all of it was happening because of just a little bit of fluid imbalance in my inner ear. And so there are those times there was nothing I could do to experience relief. There was nothing that I think that I did to be able to cause something like this to happen. But then it was something that I was having to walk through and I could not tell up from down, left from right. And I was reduced into the fetal position on the floor. 
And so that can happen to us physiologically sometimes, but it also can happen to us emotionally. It can also happen to us psychologically, and it can also happen to us spiritually. And so when we come to God's word and we're like, does God's word have anything to say to those moments? (laughs) Maybe it was a death in the family. Maybe it was the divorce of your parents. Maybe there was some sort of disintegrating friend group in your life. Maybe there was some sort of loss or loneliness that you experienced. I'm not sure what it was for you, but there are those moments where we can look back in our life and where everything seems to be spinning out of control and we are powerless to be able to do anything. Does God's word have anything to say to those moments? God's word does. And better than that, God's word gives us words to say in those moments. We're in the middle of a series called Pattern where we're walking through line by line in the Lord's Prayer. Last week we looked at our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Would your name be considered holy here in the world? Would your glory increase? And this week we come to, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And in this petition, in this request, in this ask, believers are looking for something different than what they see around them. (laughs) Jesus is, he is telling his disciples to pray then like this, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It has the underlying assumption that it is not fully realized here yet. That things are not the way that they are supposed to be. That God's will, in fact, is not being done all around us in his perfect in the will that he decrees that we are to fall in and fall under and find joy in that that will is not being done and that there are kingdoms of this world that are raging that are seeking to overthrow one another there are wars and rumors of wars and all the time right here Jesus is saying to pray then like this your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven And so when it feels like the world is shaking all around us, especially in this day and age, it could be on the national level, like that we have wildfires out west, we have a hurricane that's coming up to the Gulf Coast, we have racial tension and turmoil that is happening all around us, we have overthrows abroad, we have political crises that are happening here, polarization, divisiveness, hatred and vitriol towards one another, and we are looking around and things just keep spinning, and does God's word have anything to say into this moment? God's word gives us words to say in this moment, God, would your kingdom come? And would your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven? And so the kingdom of God, it's not something that just makes this entrance right here in the Lord's Prayer, but it's something that we can go back and we can see in the Old Testament that had already been laid out in pattern for us. And we will be going to Psalm 46 that Ben so beautifully read for us a moment ago. That here in Psalm 46, we're going to go all the way through this psalm because even though it was written thousands of years ago, it's speaking a word to us today that you need to hear. Because the first part of this psalm, verses 1 through 3, it shows us that in times of natural crises, God's people can be confident in his powerful presence. In times of natural crises, God's people can be confident in his powerful presence. Follow along as I read. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help 
in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. God is our refuge. This is foundational. This is the flagship proposition waving high over this psalm. But more than it is a proposition, it's a promise for the life of the follower of God to cling to in those moments when it feels like the ground beneath my feet is giving away and I hear the sound of crashing waves and all my world is washing out to sea. I'm hidden safe in the God that never moves holding fast to the promise of his truth, that he is holding tighter still to me, that God is our refuge. If you've ever felt exposed or vulnerable or prone to attack, if you've ever found restless or that someone is out to get you, weak, feeble, that you can't go on, incapable, you're not going to make it, God is a safe place. He is strong to hold you up with his righteous right hand and he is very present I love the way that the psalmist says that. He's not just present. He is a very present help in time of trouble. And therefore, because of this, we should not fear. Because God is our refuge, we should not fear. You see, there will be things to come that elicit fear. There will be those moments that come, and we see this pictured in the psalm, images of earthquakes and landslides, raging seas, but even so, in the midst of all of that, because God is with us, we do not have to fear. It was April 27th, 2011. It's crazy that it was that long ago now. I was a student down at the University of Alabama at the time. And if you are, I, I was, it was great to be able to meet so many folks that are out of state that have come here for school or that have come here for work. But if you grew up here in Alabama or in one of the surrounding states, April 27, 2011 means something a little bit different to you. Because it was on that particular day that not just one or two, but a supercell of tornadic activity ripped across this region and specifically here in our state. I was down there, and you know, it was one of those things. I had gone to class. I lived in an apartment across the river. I had gone back home, and of course, I mean, like I was in college. I was like, I, I don't pay attention to the weather. My mom calls me, Blake, are you paying attention? Blake, you paying attention? Yeah, it's supposed to thunderstorm later. We just won't grill tonight. It's okay. And so we're going over, and then my mom's like, Hey, have you watched the weather? And then I turn on James Spann, and James has got the cloak. I mean, he's got he's got the jacket off, and so you know what that means. The sleeves are starting to roll up, the suspenders are exposed, and it's one of those things that you are you're taking this more and more seriously. I go outside and I see the clouds starting to swirl in mile-wide fashion, and it looks like an Instagram filter is put over everything. And so me and my college roommates, we bolt back inside and we go to the innermost central part of our house and we are plucking off every blanket, every comforter, every couch cushion, every egg chair cushion that we could to cover ourselves and we are all huddled into this bathroom and I'm so grateful to have been surrounded that day with brothers in Christ. That even though everything else that was going on around us, the literal storm that we were in at that point, that they were able to help take me to the feet of Jesus through prayer. That for me, like, I mean, I had like an irrational fear of storms growing up. And I, it was something that I thought that I had particularly outgrown. But like it was in that moment when I was able to see on the cable news television set of what was coming our way. And I was frozen. 
I was still with, in fear, in worry. And those brothers surrounding me as we were pressed against the linoleum floor and we had all manner of artificial fabrics on top of us trying to keep us safe. We were going through and they were praying that God would shield us, that God would protect us and God would avert the storm. That even in those moments where you feel that you are at your end, that you are incapable, that you might even die, that the believer, the follower in Christ can have the comfort and the security knowing that God is a very present help. He is a strong refuge and that even if the worst thing that you could think of were to happen to you, if you were to die, that maybe you'd be able to say words like Tim Keller, that great Presbyterian pastor up in New York City, where he says, if God is with you, even the worst thing that happens to you, death, only makes you infinitely happier and greater. You see, natural crises happen. They're unavoidable as we live in this sin-riddled world. But the natural crises aren't the only things that would seek to undo us. But there are also times of political crises that we see ourselves in. This is the next portion of the psalm. In times of political crises, God's people can be confident in His sovereign rule. As Kara set up that song that we sang, Ancient of Days, it being lifted directly from Psalm 46, that we can be confident that there is a king that is reigning. There is a river, verse 4, whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help when morning dawns. The nations, they rage. Kingdoms totter. But he utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You see, God is the king of the immovable city. There's a contrast that is happening in these particular verses. We see at the beginning of the psalm, we will not fear though the earth give way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, the waters roar and foam. When you see in the Old Testament that the sea, over and over again, is this picture of chaos, of destruction, of that which undoes. And that's why in Genesis 1, when it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness hovered over the face of the deep waters. And God said, let there be light. And he begins creation. It is into that chaos. It is into that formlessness. It is into that void that God brings order. That God brings life. That God brings light. And God creates the space to demonstrate his love. And right here. In the pictures of Psalm 46. That you have these turbulent waters. That are undoing mountains. The most fixed and firm and steadfast of all of the geological features that you would be able to see, but even they, at this point, are being thrown into the heart of the sea. But we get right here. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. That this water right here is not destructive and chaos-inducing, but rather is for healing. It's for nourishment. And it's flowing into the city of of God, this city where God lives, and He will not be moved. God is there, and He will help each and every day. 
And when we get a glimpse of this God, it makes the everyday troubles that we would be able to experience, it puts them into perspective. It doesn't make them insignificant. It doesn't mean that we just brush them up underneath the metaphorical rug, but it puts them, it sizes them up against the great God that we serve that sometimes we can become so nearsighted by the things that come up and by the things that would seek to undo us and trouble us that it's right here. But when we catch a vision of the God who is seated high, none above him, none before him, all of time in his hands, his throne ever stays and ever stands. That this is the God that we serve. And it's why even amidst wicked nations and wicked rulers, God's people should not fear. There will be nations that seek destruction. And you don't have to look far, but kings and rulers thinking that they are in control, but they will, according to God's word, that they will be thwarted. That there's a lot of scheming. There's a lot that goes on. There, a, people wanting to be in the room where it happens. And they're all this wanting to make this or that decision. Conspiring, overthrowing. But God, His is the voice that matters. He simply utters His voice and the earth melts. He is the Lord of hosts, of armies, of legions. That when we catch a vision of this God, we realize there is no duality here that can stand or threaten him. So it's one of those things like uh, people in the different franchises, right, that we love. The movie, the TV show franchises that we all love. Like it's one of those things like a lot of people are really into Star Wars, right? And being able to go through, like, you have people that are all about just the original three, then you have the prequels, then you have the sequels, and then everybody just is all a mixed bag and everything like that. And so we go into this, and there are some times where even in those settings, when we look at those things, that we can take things from pop culture and we can kind of import them into our theology. Like, it's one of those things, if you love Star Wars, I want you to feel free, feel liberated to continue to love Star Wars. Continue to watch those, continue to enjoy those. But if we are giving ourselves to those stories over and over again where we think that somehow that there is this dark side that is competing with the light and that the light is somehow under threat or that there is this some sort of balance like, oh yeah, God, he's powerful, but there's someone just as powerful on the other side. That we're still trying to figure out how all this is going to play out. That we're going to see who actually the strongest one is. There is no sort of cosmic duality that could seek to threaten or to thwart or to overthrow the king of kings. None. No contest. It's over before it starts. That this is the God we serve. And because he is this powerful, one day everything, everything will be set right. Everything will be set right. Because we see this in the next part, verses 8 and 9. In the end times of this world, God's people will see the end of wars and the reign of the kingdom. Verses 8 and 9. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth, and he breaks the bow, and he shatters the spear, and he burns the chariots with fire. See, there's a lot of debate about everything that's going to be going on at the end of the world or when it's coming, right? 
You know, some people have read those left-behind books. Some people have these prophecy charts. Some people are ascribed to this or that theology, and they think they know when this or that is going to happen. There's a lot that we don't know. There's a lot of speculation. But we can know this for sure, that one day God will destroy evil as the conquering king. And this is good news. Though it may seem like evil has its day right now, one day it will be no more. And this is a strong warning for those who are apart from him. That those who are not safe in God's himself, in God's refuge. But know this, there is still time to turn and to embrace, to trust and to find your soul safe in God and in God alone. Because one day God will come and he will set things straight. He will set things right. He will reduce the weapons and the machines of war to nothing. I love the way Eugene Peterson, uh, he's the author who paraphrased the message. If you've read any of that before, it's wonderful. The way that he paraphrases this particular verse is he says, He breaks all the weapons of war across his knee. Being able to see all of these things like toothpicks snapped in between the fingers of the divine. Peace will have the day. Peace will rule. And, you know, it's like the end of that literary classic, The Lord of the Rings, right? You know, it's, uh, if, if you're new to Oxano, it's probably once every four sermons that you're going to get some sort of illusion or illustration from this. But we have in that, at the very end... That Samwise Gamgee, that he's going, he's talking to his elderly friend Gandalf as he's coming in right here. And they've just succeeded in defeating evil, the shadow. And as they're coming in and he looks at Gandalf and he says this. Is everything sad going to come untrue? And Gandalf says, a great shadow has indeed departed, Sam. And then he laughed, and the sound was like music or like water in a parched land. And as he listened, the thought came to Sam that he had not heard laughter, the pure sound of merriment for days upon days without count. I love that childlike phrasing, and it's such a picture because it's my heart and trying to think forward about how everything is going to be set right because right now the wrong seems oft so strong. But God is still the ruler yet, and he is going to come back, and he is going to make everything sad come untrue. Where the injustices, where the violence, where the prejudice, where the pride inflicted against us one day, all will be set right and will be a faded and distant memory in the glowing presence of the Most High. That as we come to this place, we will not fear in that day. We've been talking about how we should not fear here and now because of God and because of what he's done. But we can know that there is a place where fear will no longer be from any surrounding circumstances. You're not going to have to look over your shoulder anymore. You're not going to have to constantly be thinking about what this or that person thinks about you. You're not going to have to be fearful that you don't measure up to what your parents' aspirations would be for you or from what your friend groups or from what the significant other you have or the one that you would want would have for you. 
You're not going to have to look at that person who hurt you in such a deep and significant way in the eye. That you're not going to have to endure any of this fear. But the only way that these former days will pass away is because of his infinite power and they are coming. But these promises in God's word, they aren't just for the future. But they're for here and now. They're for today. Because it's not just in political crises, it's not just in natural crises, it's not just in the end times, but in the everyday times of life, God's people can know that He is near. This is what verses 10 and 11 say as it concludes this psalm. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. There's so much movement that's going on in this psalm, whether it's from the earth, from the sea, from nations, from people. But right here, there is no such movement. We are called to be still before the Lord. What what does it mean to be still? I mean, it's difficult. Especially in this day and age when we are just so prone to constant stimulation. I mean, yeah, there are some people that need to be poked and prodded and being told to done more. But like with a lot of the students that and young adults that I'm meeting and the people that are working, like they need to be told to slow down. That we're constantly engaged with something, whether it's another person, whether it's an app on our phone, whether it's something that we're watching on TV or some sort of task list that we're cranking through. That it's so hard for us to be able to be still because we're overstimulated or somehow we feel guilty for not doing more or fulfilling this or that moment. But how? How do we be still before the Lord? To be still before the Lord means to cease striving. To realize that it's not something that you are having to do, but something that you are merely coming to receive. That when you are still, you are not still before the Lord in worry, but you can be still before the Lord in worship. That as we're coming and as we are seeking to engage with God, that we are in being still, it's not an emptying. That maybe that has infiltrated your thinking at different points from well-meaning or not well-meaning, not well-intended teachers. But when you come, it's not as if you are supposed to just completely empty your mind before the Lord. That's pagan meditation what we are called to do in meditating on the lord is to actually fill our minds to seek to fill our hearts and what do we do that with we do it with the word we do it with the scriptures that we come and we seek to be still and to be full and we are before the lord and to do what to know that he is god and that we are not That a lot of times our attempts to be our own God, to be our own Savior, to be our own way out, to be our own means of salvation, we're just frenetic. We're just constantly working, we're constantly hustling, we're constantly angling to figure out how we can do this or that. And you might not have a literal tally sheet in your room, but you might have a tally sheet on the walls of your mind where you are just trying to figure out how you can get enough good to outweigh the bad so that one day you can stand before a holy God and say, I deserve to be here. It's not going to work that way. 
You can cease striving. You can be still. And you can know that he is God. He was there with the psalmist when this was penned. And he is here with us even now in a deeper way. And it's because of the finished work of Jesus that we now can know that the Lord of hosts is with us because after all, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. That now we can be still not in worry but in worship and he is the one who beckons us to come and to sit and to be still at his feet. In a similar way that Mary in the New Testament She chose the good portion to sit and to be still with the Lord. That he is the one who said that we can move mountains in faith. That he is the one who spoke and melted the storm into a sea of glass. Who could have called on legions of angels as the Lord of hosts. The one who was highly exalted but was on the cross and then laid down but rose from the grave. Ascended on high and has now given us his spirit who is with us and within us. His presence here and now, and the Lord who will one day come again, making everything right. Dealing with evil once and finally for all. And the one who will make all of the sad things come untrue. And that coming, we will see the river of life flowing into his city. It makes it in there into the book of Revelation. That there is a city flowing, there is a river flowing into the city of God. And the tree of life on each of its banks. But do you know what the book of Revelation says? There is no more sea. There is no more chaos. There is no more of that which would seek to destroy you or to undo you or to cause your life to wash away. And God, he will be there to wipe away every tear from our eyes. War will be a faded memory from times gone by, and his kingdom will remain unshaken. We can rest in this, not just that it's going to happen in the future, but that it's available for us here and now. Have you trusted in him? Has your soul found that rest, that safe place? Do you know that God is indeed a mighty fortress for you? It was back during the Protestant Reformation hundreds of years ago that Martin Luther, the German monk, he penned these words that have been sung even until this very day. But he wrote that enduring him, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amidst the flood of mortal ills prevailing. But still our ancient foe doth seek to work us well. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. But did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? If not, the right man were on our side, the man of God's on choosing to ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. The Lord of hosts his name from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled would threaten to undo us. We will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His craft and power are great. His rage we can't endure, for lo, his doom is sure. But one little word shall fail him. In the name of Jesus. 
And that word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth the spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth let good and kindred go this mortal life also. The body they may kill, but God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. So when we come to this time in our lives where everything seems to be swirling around us, and we look for a word to us in this time and a word for us to be able to speak to God, we pray, God, your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we look forward to the day when that prayer turns into a praise. And where we're not praying, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There will come a day where we don't pray that anymore. And instead, it will be, God, your kingdom is here and your will is being done even now on earth as it is in heaven. We look forward to that day. We wait for that day. But we're still before the Lord today. And we know that he is God. And that we are not. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that we seek to build our own kingdom very often in this world. And then when things start to crumble, when things start to totter, God, we can't hold it together, but we come to you. Our souls find shelter, find refuge, find safety in you. God, for anyone here tonight who does not know this safety or security, for the one who feels vulnerable or exposed, left out, excluded, God, would they know the peace of Christ? Would they be welcomed in and find rest? Be with us here as we continue to worship. We ask that you would speak in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're new here to Oxano, every week after this sermon, we spend 120 seconds in silence. For a lot of us, this is really the only time during the week where we have to be still before the Lord, but it's something that we seek to practice together. And I encourage folks to pull out a notepad with a pen, the notepad app on your phone. You can pull out something from the pew rack behind you in front, or in front of you and seek to answer these two questions. What is God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? Just two questions. What is God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? Take 120 seconds. Thanks for listening to the Oxano podcast. If you want more information on the songs that we sing at Oxano, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.